Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Another big day today as we move step-by-step closer to knowing who will lead this country as its next president of the United States. It's a fascinating, fascinating exercise to watch, frustrating for many, nervous, uh, tense, and anxious for others. Uh, And we will, throughout the day today, bring you updates as they are made available. All eyes are on the following states, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Alaska still outstanding. There are lawsuits that are being filed. Some are being thrown out by both parties. We'll bring you those details as they develop. Not sure if and when we will have results to report during the program today, but you can you can bet that if we have them, you'll hear them here. Lots to cover on the program. In addition to the presidential race today, we'll look at CD4, Utah's 4th Congressional District. We'll speak uh, with Burgess Owens. He'll call into the program later on, see where things stand. We'll get an update from uh, KSL's own Lindsey Aarons on the details of that story uh, as Additional ballots continue to be counted and reported. That is not a done deal quite yet, but we'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, I want to start by talking about the big race in Utah, which has been settled. We know that the next governor of the great state of Utah will be current Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox. Utah, a uh, brand new governor, brand new Lieutenant Governor to come in January uh, in the form of Deidre Henderson, Senator Henderson, uh, who joins us now on the program. Senator, how are you? Doing greatly. How are you? I'm, I'm well. There's a lot to be paying attention to these days. I feel a little overstimulated, like I'm drinking from a, uh, a fire hose or something like that. But uh, we're making it through along all right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, maybe we'll have some big breaking news during my interview today. Uh, maybe, I don't know, is Biden ready to <laughs> I don't make know. another big announcement? I'm so, I'm so sorry. And it was barely an announcement. It was just kind of a pep rally. But yet yesterday, folks, if you were listening, uh, we had Senator Henderson on, Lieutenant Governor-elect, and uh, just moments into our conversation, uh, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, candidate Biden, took to the microphone. We had to step away. So we're making good on our plans of uh, yesterday. Uh, let me start out by something recently shared uh, on these airwaves by uh, Governor-elect Spencer Cox, talked about uh, some of the priorities for when he assumes the governorship. He spoke uh, with David Dejanovic just yesterday morning. Um, but, but as far as January goes, when, when we get a chance to, uh, to make those decisions, um, it, it's, it's going to be about we had Dr. Burks here this past weekend, and she is very bullish on vaccines. She said uh, as soon as the end of this month, we will have an active and, and approved vaccine, which uh, was really great news. And, and I think a, a little surprising to us when she shared that with us. Uh, but, but by the first of the year, it will be about getting and distributing that vaccine, especially to the most vulnerable first. 
you had a, a meeting today, a transition meeting of sorts, where you laid out some of the plans to be executed as uh, you and Governor Cox take uh, over leadership of the state. Uh, where does where do vaccines fit into that transition? Well, vaccines are a critical component to getting us back to normal. Uh, we, I think we all long to get back to the way things were before coronavirus uh, upended every aspect of all of our lives. And making sure that we have vaccines, making sure that we have uh, testing capacity for, for rapid testing, um, those are critical components to making sure uh, that our lives can, uh, can go back to normal. I, I presume that's top priority come January, even now. Absolutely. It's, it's top priority now. It'll be top priority in January. Of course, there are a lot of other things that, that we hope to be able to do and, and focus on also um, during our administration. But of course, COVID-19 and making sure that we um, you know, attend to that, uh, make sure that we get the virus under control, that we uh, return our economy to, to good working order. That, that, that's absolutely top of the priority list. Let's take a a step backwards right now and talk about uh, what has happened here over the past few days, specifically uh, that you've been elected lieutenant governor. Uh, You and I met, I think, for the first time maybe a dozen years ago or so. You were uh, a volunteer, if I remember correctly, working on the the Chaffetz for Congress campaign. Uh, In that time, you have had a a remarkable career uh, ascending to the role of senator in the state of Utah and now the lieutenant governor uh, elect, starting from a campaign volunteer. What's it meant to you and what have you learned? over these past dozen years? You know, what I've learned, I think that the, the, the biggest lesson I've learned is that it, it's not hard to, to get involved and to make a difference. Um, so few people bother to step forward and, and, and speak up and, and act, um, and, and those that do really can make a difference. I've seen that in my life. I've seen that in your life, Lee. I've seen that in so many people's lives, and um, it's, a, it's a great testament to our incredible uh, system of government that we have. Uh, regular folks um, can can get involved and, and can participate in the government, and, and that's the way it should be. It's a beautiful process. It's imperfect, but I think it's as close to perfect as we can we can get. Uh, and I, it's been an incredible journey, an incredible honor over these past 12 or so years to, to figure that out, to learn how to get involved and to work hard and to learn and to make a difference. What's the advice you might give to someone who spends much of their time shaking their fist and yelling at the TV or the radio, uh, but who also have the capacity to become great leaders themselves? What's the advice you might give to someone in that situation to just kind of push them over the edge to to put into practice the, the qualities they may have? Well, first and foremost, I think if you're looking to make a change uh, in, in policy or, or, you know, sway government leaders, um, honey is, is, is a lot uh, better to to attract uh, flies than vinegar, so the saying goes. So, so uh, you know, reaching out to your representatives, your elected officials, um, understanding how the system works, working on policy, um, getting involved in the legislative process. I can't tell you how many times I've changed my mind based on the information that I've gotten from a constituent who has reached out to me and, and made me aware of something that I didn't know before. Um, your elected leaders are certainly not perfect people. Uh, they don't know everything. Some of them might think they know everything, but they don't. And we rely on good people to keep us informed. And that's how, if you want to get involved in, in government service, um, making yourself informed and aware, showing up to the Capitol, showing up to meetings, 
um, and, and, you know, really getting to know um, the, the leaders in the state and in your communities is the best way to get involved. And it's not hard. It really isn't. Um, anybody can do it. One thing that I'd point out that I think makes Utah uniquely special is how accessible the leaders are. Uh, if you look at the legislature, for an example, you can see on their website pretty much every one of them has their uh, their cell phone number there listed. You can call your state representative, your state senator. They are very easy to interact with, email as well. And I point that out uh, for, for this comparison. It, that is not the case in other states in this nation. Uh, for example, I did a little bit of growing up in New York State, and if you think that you're going to get on the horn with a state representative or a state senator or even lieutenant governor and governor, things that can happen here in Utah, forget about it back in New York. Forget about it in California. Forget about it in Pennsylvania, Texas, Florida, wherever. Here in Utah, due to, uh, who knows, geography, the size of our uh, state, the, the nature of our elected officials, we have a remarkably accessible uh, leadership uh, ranks here, and it's it's a remarkable and admirable thing. And I I am grateful to you, Senator, for for participating in that. Let's uh, let's go backwards just a, a little bit and talk again about well, and uh, go ahead. Sorry, we, we we love to be accessible, and 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 part of that is the the size of our state, and and hopefully that doesn't. Uh, change as our state continues to grow, but it's very important for us to stay in touch with the people that we represent. Yeah, and those those individuals I mentioned, you know, who spend time shaking their fist, uh, the, it is very easy to get word to those who who can, in fact, make a difference. Um, you, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the the COVID situation in which we find ourselves. You you yourself spent some time on oxygen due to contracting the virus. Does that uh, play into your approach to tackling this issue at all? Or, or does the firsthand experience you endured uh, change your attitude at all or inform it? You know, I don't know that it changed my attitude toward the coronavirus. Um, I, I certainly never wanted to be a person that spread it to other people. I, I, I tried to wear my mask. I, I hate wearing masks, but I tried to, to do that to protect others and, and um you know, but it definitely has informed my opinion of the of the severity of the virus. And um, what I've learned is um, it, the, the virus is indiscriminate. You, you, you don't know who it's going to affect in, in really serious ways. And and yes, it may be that the deaths, thank heaven, aren't as, as severe, at least in our state, as, as we once thought that they might be. But there are long term effects. Um, that are that are occurring in, in some people who contract this virus that have terrible physical effects and economic effects and monetary effects on people. Um, and those are some things that need to be taken into account as well. Um, I, I still am on supplemental oxygen, if we're being honest. I am not completely healed. Um, I am still struggling, um, I, although I'm, I'm getting better. It's just it's a slow process. Um, my lungs are slow to heal, and I don't know why. And there's still a lot that we're learning about this this virus and its long-term effects. And that's part of the reason why we need to be so careful, um, part of the reason why we need to take um, the measures that we've taken and, and, and continue down that road until we have vaccines, until we have medical treatments, until we have um, a capacity to rapidly test lots and lots of people. Lieutenant Governor-elect Deidre Henderson, thank you so much for your time. I'm sorry to hear that you're still battling the uh, side effects of this of this disease, uh, and I applaud you and congratulate you for your uh, victory, your election victory. Thanks again for your time. Thanks, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, I'm going to welcome to the program the president of the Sutherland Institute. Rick Larson will be my guest to explain why he feels that our nation needs a new Sputnik moment. What does that mean? He'll explain next on Live Mike. 
I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.